Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Luke chapter 18, verse number 27. Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You know, there are a lot of things that are impossible with men, but there's nothing impossible with God. And and I just like in particular the way this verse is worded because it says the things, it identifies those things, especially that are impossible with men, those in particular are God's specialty. They're possible with God, amen? Amen. And then if you would turn over with me to Luke or to Mark's gospel, excuse me, Mark chapter 10. <clears throat> we have these words, very similar words, but just spoken a little differently. This is Mark chapter 10 and verse number 27. Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. All things are possible. Hallelujah. And, uh, and then go with me, if you would, over to Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 32. Glory to God. Jeremiah 32. Another one of my favorite verses. Verse number 17. Hallelujah. You know, very often when people uh, quote this, this chapter, and this idea, most of the time people quote verse 27. Verse 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Most of the time people quote that verse. I like to quote verse 17 because why ask the question if you already have the answer? Verse 17 says, Ah, Lord God, Behold, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Glory to God. How many of you believe that tonight? There's nothing too hard for God. Hallelujah. And then go with me over to Hebrews. The uh, chapter is that. I'll find it here in a second. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And we talk about this on Sunday mornings very often when we hand out our, our visitor's uh, book but, uh, or, or have people sign the, the registration card. And, and, and we talk about the fact that without faith, you can't please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Well, see, that's part of faith. Believe that he is. That's the same thing as saying God is able. Or the same thing as saying, with God, all things are possible. Or it's the same thing as saying, uh, there is nothing too difficult for him. Isn't that right? You have to believe that he is, that he is the all-sufficient one. But notice the rest of it, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. See, that's where your faith really starts working is when you realize that he's not only able, he's willing, he's, or, he's, not, able, he's not just sufficient, he's, he'll do it, praise God. Amen. He will reward those who diligently seek him. Isn't that good news? Amen. Glory to God. Now turn back with me to Mark's gospel one more time and let's go to the ninth chapter 
of Mark's gospel, Mark chapter 9. Hallelujah. Are you out there tonight? Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. See, all things are possible with God, but also all things are possible to him who believes. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm. You, 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 you seemed a lot more excited about the other part than that part. All things are possible, not just to God, but because he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him, all things are possible to those who believe. Believe what? Believe that he's a rewarder. Amen. I have found and I have noticed that oftentimes people make faith too difficult. And they make receiving from God too difficult. And the reason people make it difficult is because they're thinking of themselves. And they're thinking of their own ability. I said this morning at the close of the service that miracles aren't about us, they're about God. Miracles are not about what we can do, they're what about God can, they're what miracles are about what God can do. Amen. But so often I find that people become troubled or anxious over what they can believe. Because Jesus said, all things are possible to him who believes. And so that sort of sounds like it puts the onus on us. Are you listening to me? Yeah, all things are possible with God, but all things are possible to him who believes. We don't have a problem believing that God can do all things. Where we have a problem sometimes is believing that we can receive all those things. Because the devil likes to tell us that, uh, that our believing is not sufficient. Yeah, he does. If you think about it, if you go back and just in your mind, think about Jesus and the four gospels. Jesus, we know that Jesus was the will of God demonstrated in the flesh. Everything about the person, the work, the ministry, the actions of Jesus rep- perfectly represents the Father. The will of the Father, the heart of the Father, the purpose of the Father. Je- he, he was in all ways a representation of the Father. Isn't that right? So if you want to know about God, how he thinks, how, how he feels, how he will do, what he will do, just look at Jesus. I noticed this, and you think about this. People came to Jesus with all kinds of trouble. All manner of trouble. People came to Jesus with sick bodies. They came to him with dead bodies. They came to him with lack. They came to him with all kinds of trouble in their lives. They came to him in times of peril, times of, of, of uh, 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 danger, all manner of problems. Jesus never once rebuked people because they were sick or because somebody had died 
or because they were in the, in the boat and the, and the storm arose, he never rebuked people for their trouble. He never rebuked them for being hungry, for being with, with lack or having any problem. He never rebuked people for their trouble. And we know that many times people are in trouble because of their own stupidity. I remember when Dr. Uh, when Dave Rimmer, when, when he first uh, uh, completed his res- residency and came back to the Gainesville area and started practice, you know, in, in uh, private practice, you know, family medicine, uh, shortly thereafter, I was talking to him one night at prayer and asked him how it was going. He said, oh, great. He said, saw a lot of people today, you know, been a really busy, busy day and just one person after another. And he made the statement, he said, it's really obvious when you start treating people, when you get out of the, out of the, uh, controlled setting, you know, of, of, uh, of uh, studies and actually get into practice. He said, it's amazing how many people's physical problems are of their own doing. Now, he didn't elaborate, but I can just imagine what he's talking about. People don't eat right. They don't drink right. They smoke. They don't get rest. They, they, uh, uh, abuse their bodies in, in a number of ways or under unnecessary stress, uh, promiscuous lives. I mean, there's all kinds of things that people are suffering in their physical bodies because they just don't do right. It's interesting that Jesus never rebuked anybody for that. Even the woman who was taken in adultery, remember that story? He said, uh, you know, after everybody had left, he said, uh, woman, where, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I just think that's real interesting that Jesus never rebuked people for their problem, but he did rebuke them for unbelief. Unbelief is a sin. Amen. In the book of Revelation, it says that the lake of fire will be full of people and, and, and part of the designation of those people in the lake of fire will be the unbelieving. Amen. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. And Jesus in his own town of Nazareth says he could do no, no mighty works there because of their unbelief. And it says that he marveled at their unbelief. He didn't marvel at their problem. He marveled at their unbelief. He didn't marvel at their sickness. He marveled at their unbelief. Matthew chapter 14, when the disciples were on the, on the sea, Sea of Galilee, and the storm arose, he didn't rebuke them for the storm He rebuked them for their fear and unbelief. Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Matthew chapter 16, when they had uh, gone to to a place on a boat and then gotten to the other side, they'd forgotten to take any bread. and, uh, and, and, And they said, well, you know, he said, and he started teaching them, he said about the leaven of the Pharisees and so they started reasoning among themselves, well, it's because we've taken their bread. Well, he had just fed the multitude. He had fed 5,000 and then he had fed 4,000 just, just recently. 
And now they're concerned because, well, I guess it's because we didn't take any bread. He said, what's wrong with you guys? Oh, oh, ye of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves? You know, that's what talks us out of a lot of blessings is reasoning among ourselves or with ourselves. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, uh, 17 the disciples came to him because they couldn't cast the evil spirit out of a, out of a young man. And, and, and uh, they said, Lord, why couldn't we cast this evil spirit? And he said, because of your unbelief. He had a lot of negative things to say about unbelief. After the resurrection, when he appeared to them, he rebuked them for their unbelief. Amen. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 11, we're here, are you in Mark 10? Mark chapter 11, Jesus said, have faith in God. He never said, don't get sick, don't have any trouble, don't have any problems. I'm not going to be happy if you have problems. He never said that. He said, have faith. Have faith. Have faith in God. In Hebrews chapter 13, unbelief is described as an evil heart of unbelief. Do you know unbelief is evil? It's evil. It's a sin. How is it that our problems, which very often are our own, he's, he doesn't condemn us for or he doesn't rebuke us for. But lack of faith, he does rebuke us for. That tells me that he puts a whole lot more emphasis on faith and of the, and of the fact that we ought to be in faith. We ought to have faith, we ought to exercise faith. Because he rebuked people for not doing it. I, uh, when, when Facebook came out a few years ago, like a lot of you, I reconnected with some old friends from you know, years ago. And, uh, and, and some of them are not saved. And a lot of them are, but some of them aren't. And there's this one particular man. He's a pharmacist from Jacksonville. And uh, he, he's actually a pharmacist and an attorney. He, he went to UF on a football scholarship in the, in the 70s and uh, graduated and, and became a pharmacist. And then a few years later, uh, he wanted to add to his, his uh, education, so he became an attorney. So now he's a, you know, bar, uh, uh, whatever you call that, bar licensed, anyway, huh? Certified attorney. But he's still, his main, his main job is pharmacy. And uh, in, in writing back and forth to him and, and, and kind of reestablishing our old friendship from, from way back from high school and, and later, you know, in life, uh, he has a he has another friend that a mutual friend that went to school with us, who's a good Christian man. And this uh, this this pharmacist is not a Christian; he's not a believer. And he ha- he has this real good friend that he stayed in fellowship with all since high school, who's a very strong Christian man. And he says we study the Bible together all the time because I've witnessed to to this man. His name is Gary. I've witnessed to him, you know, and. Uh, uh, he said, he said, Edwin, he said, 
My problem is, he said, if I understand the Bible, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I understand it. The problem is, in order for me to be saved, I must have faith. And he says, the problem is, I don't have any. And he said, this friend, this mutual friend, he said, we've studied the Bible together for years. And this mutual friend, now this is what he says. I can't verify this, but this is what he said. That he and this mutual friend have studied the Bible and this mutual friend who's a strong Christian has told this pharmacist, he says, Gary, you actually live a cleaner, better life than most Christians do. I don't understand why you can't accept the Lord. And Gary's explanation is, well, the problem is it requires faith. And I don't have faith. And because I don't have faith, it's a non-starter. I mean, I I can't be saved. He said, I really, now I don't know if this is just, you know, so much uh, hot air or what, but he said, I really respect Christians and I really envy people of faith. I envy what you have. I, I I believe that it's changed your life. I believe it's all for the better. I have many good friends who are Christians, but for me, it just doesn't work because here's the problem. I don't have any faith. Now, well, how would you answer that? The answer is not that he doesn't believe, not that he can't, he says he can't believe. The real problem is, He refuses to believe. That's the problem. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Actually, turn over there with me to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, where where this passage is that I just quoted. In verse number 17, it says, then faith comes by hearing. Actually, if you back up to the previous verse, verse 16, it says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Everybody say the word report. The way this reads in the Greek, it says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by the report and the report by the word of God. The word that's translated report is translated hearing in verse 17. Faith comes by the report. He said, Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? You know, it's just a matter of of believing it or not believing it because faith comes by the report. You can't hear the report of God and not have faith. It doesn't say faith sometimes comes. Doesn't say, you know, uh, most of the time faith comes. If you want it to come, it'll come. If you don't want it to come, it won't come. If you hear the report, faith comes. See, this man could simply choose. He believes that he doesn't have faith, but the real issue is he's chosen not to believe. And if he continues in his unbelief, his unbelief will take him to hell. That's the sad thing. His unbelief, not his sins, his unbelief will take him 
to hell because he chose not to believe. Go with me over to uh, uh, 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians. Talking about after the rapture of the church, what will happen to this world in the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 11, is for this reason God will send them strong delusion. This is during the tribulation period. That they should believe the lie because they, that they may all be condemned. Now listen, who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. When people hear the gospel, they have a choice to believe it or to not believe it and, and the ability to believe is always there because faith always comes. Faith comes. It, it's not a matter of do you have faith, it's just a matter of, of deciding to believe. This, this friend of mine could just say, you know what, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's true. He could do this. He could say, I really don't know if the gospel is true. He, he could say, I have a lot, and he does because we've talked about this. He said, I have a lot of questions about science and about uh, the origins of, of, of the universe. He said, I just, I, I have a problem believing in God, that there's a, a God who created all this. And yet we've discussed it. He, he, he acknowledges that it's quite a stretch to believe that all of this came from nothing. And he says, I, I, I really, I can't explain that. And he said, and I realize that science cannot explain that. And, and so I said, well, you know, if, if, if you can't explain it, then the most reasonable explanation is God. There isn't any other scientific explanation that's at all reasonable. Because how can anything come from nothing? All the laws of science, all the laws of physics, everything that's ever been demonstrated in the natural realm cannot acknowledge or accept that anything can come from nothing. So if there is no natural explanation, to me, the only reasonable explanation would be something supernatural. And, and this guy says, I believe that something happened that we don't understand. I said, that's right, God. <laughs> that, you're right, his name is God. What happened is in the beginning, God. But anyway, this man could say, he could say this, he could say, I don't understand it. I see, I see evidence of evolution. I, I don't know if the claims of Christ are, are true or not. I just don't know. He could have all of the doubt he wanted to in his mind and he could with the next breath say, but I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to choose to believe it. I, I don't understand it. I really have some doubts about it but I'm going to choose to put my doubts away and I'm just going to choose to believe. And you know what would happen? Eternal life would spring up on the inside of him. He would undergo the same change that you and I went. He would become a brand new person in Christ without understanding it. 
just by choosing to believe. How simple is that? A simple, see, we make faith so difficult. We often get concerned about our ability to, are we believing right? Are we believing enough? When Jesus said, oh, ye of little faith, he also said, in in, in one place he said, oh, ye of little faith. Another place he said, how is it you have no faith? Listen, little faith and no faith is the same thing. He's just saying it a little differently. You either have faith or you don't have faith. And if you've heard the truth, you have faith. It's a matter of acting on it. That's all it is. Just simple faith. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you have faith as of a mustard seed, which is the smallest, the Bible says, of all herbs in in Palestine, it's the smallest seed of all. And he said, if you just have faith as of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be removed and it will obey you. And then we struggle. Oh, I don't know if I have enough faith. I don't know if I ought to come up and have hands laid on me. I just don't know. You know, I want to lay, I just don't know. Dear God, you're either in faith or you're in unbelief. And the thing is, we're believers. That's what we are. We are believers. We have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ without any evidence. We just took him at his word. We just put our faith in it. We all believe we're going to heaven. None of us have been there. We've not talked to anybody that's been there. We've not, we, we have no evidence, but we all know we're going. We just choose to believe, and yeah, something happened. We have some evidence that something happened in our lives, but you know, there are days when that evidence is a little thin. Come on now. I know I'm not just talking about myself. There are some days when you just shake your head and you go, I don't know. I, I, I don't see much evidence of my salvation. I, I, I don't see much evidence of that change that I, that I remember happening. It sure isn't. I don't seem to be able to lay hold of it today. I really don't feel any different. Come on now. That doesn't bother us. We just keep thanking God because why? We've chosen to believe. It's just an act of our will. We chose because we're capable of believing. Hallelujah. You can believe and receive because faith always comes and faith is simple. It's just choosing to believe. It's not getting all worked up. In fact, the greatest faith that was demonstrated to Jesus was not demonstrated by believers. It's only two people in the Gospels that Jesus ever identified as having great faith and one was a Roman soldier. He was not an Israelite. None of the promises applied to him. He was without a covenant, without God. He, was, he, he didn't have any rights in the Bible. 
Remember Jesus said to the, to the woman who was bent over, you know, for 18 years, he said, ought not this, this woman be straightened on the, on the Sabbath being a daughter of Abraham? This centurion wasn't a, da- a son of Abraham. He was nothing. He was an, what we would call an outsider, an unbeliever. Jesus said, great faith. I've not found such great faith in all of the believers. The other person that he said great faith was a woman from Canaan, Syrophoenician woman with a demon-possessed daughter because she came from a demon-possessed culture. Where she came from, Syrophoenicia, where Tyre and Sidon, that part, those people were, they lived filthy lives. They worshiped demons. And it's no surprise that her daughter had a demon. This woman came to Jesus and he said, you know what? It's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. He referred to her. He was, this wasn't a personal attack on her. He was talking about her lifestyle and her culture. They lived spiritually like dogs. Jesus said, you know, it's not right. Take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She just, she came up and she said, yeah, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. A a, a woman with a demon-possessed daughter, probably demon-possessed herself. Certainly not a model Christian. Think about that. Two people in the New Testament that Jesus said had great faith. Neither one of them really qualified. The only difference is they heard the report and they believed it. They heard the report, they believed. Just as simple as that. They heard the report, they believed it. They got their miracle. Everybody else is standing around wondering what's going on. They're walking away with their miracle. Others are reasoning among themselves. The disciples, they're reasoning among themselves. What's going on? What are we doing? What happened? And she walks away with her miracle. He walks away with his servant healed. And they're all sitting around wondering, well, how can we touch God? You know, how can we get closer? What can we do to please him? They walked away with their miracle. Why? They heard the report. They believed it. Heard the report and believed it. It's just that simple. Hallelujah. Turn over to to, uh, Colossians. Turn back to Colossians and look at the first chapter. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I started in verse 9. Verse 10, That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Let me stop and say something. Notice this verse talks, verse 10 talks about uh, uh, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. You know, as a Christian, you can please the Lord or you can not please the Lord. Your walk is, is either pleasing or it's not pleasing. Now, let me, let me say something that that. Uh, a lot of people don't like to say and don't like to admit. But the fact remains that for Christians, if a Christian is intentionally and flagrantly 
in disobedience, rebellion, and open sin, it will hinder you from receiving from the Lord. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Now, what, now, now let, me, let, me, let me take the next step. Most Christians are not receiving their miracle because of that. I'm going to say most Christians are not in that category. Most Christians are not failing to receive their miracle or their answer because they're under judgment from the Lord. Remember over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he said if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we might not be condemned with the world. And if you read that passage, the chastening of the Lord resulted in them being sick. Did God put sickness on them? No. If you go back up, talking about another man in the church who was in flagrant sin, the the apostle said, when you assemble together with my spirit and the power of the Holy Ghost, you turn such a one over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day of, uh, of, of, of the Lord. When a Christian persists in open sin and rebellion and knowingly chooses to not obey God and not do right, over a period of time, that Christian is, doesn't judge himself. The Lord will have to judge him and chasten him. And how he does that, he turns him over to Satan. Or you could say it this way, he takes his hand of protection off. He doesn't, God doesn't put sickness on his children. First of all, he doesn't have any sickness. There's not any sickness in heaven. God's not afflicting people. But he does have to take his hand off of a Christian and then the enemy comes in. You know, the Bible says uh, that we are to give the devil no place, no opportunity. Well, that means he, he can, if we give him an opportunity, he'll have an opportunity. And God has to let that happen. That was weak. You might as well say amen. He has to let that happen. When we give the devil opportunity, God has to allow the devil to take that opportunity because we gave it to it. But most Christians, this has been my experience. I've been pastoring now for uh, 35 years, soon will be 36 years. My experience is, has taught me that most Christians are not failing to receive because they're under the judgment of God. It, it does happen. And... Uh, most Christians aren't failing to receive because they're just in disobedience. But you know, when, I'm, when I'm talking about being in bis- disobedience, let, let's just say you are an adulterer. You're a Christian, but you're, maybe you're an adulterer, an adulteress. You're living with somebody you're not married to. Now, if you're a Christian, you know, you can say, Lord, I'm sorry, all you want to, but until you move out, you're not really sorry. Isn't that right? If you are stealing stuff on a regular basis and you have, and you have a room in your house that's full of stolen goods, you can say, I'm sorry and I repent for theft and stealing all you want to, but if, you're, if you've got it on your calendar to knock off another dime, another, start to say dime store, where'd that come from? Another, whoo, that goes back, doesn't it? You don't, you don't even know what a dime store is. How many of you know what a dime store is? Anyway, a dollar store, okay? <laughs> 
If you're, you can say, God, I'm sorry for stealing. But if your plans are tomorrow night, you're knocking off the dollar store. Then that's going to hinder your ability to believe God and receive from God. And if you persist in it long enough, God will have to take his hand off of you completely. And, and, and real trouble can come in your life. That's what I'm talking about. Most Christians are not in that, in that condition. I said most Christians aren't. Amen. Most people here tonight are not in that condition. I said most. I'm just giving you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> so you can receive. I said you can receive. Because all you have to do is just believe. Believe what? All things are possible with God. There's nothing too too difficult for the Lord. Believe that he is a rewarder. So when you have a a need in your life, I I just sense that sometimes a lot of people don't want to to be prayed for or or they hesitate because they're afraid, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come up for prayer and my faith is not going to be sufficient to really lay hold of it and so then I'm going to go back to my seat disappointed. Why in the world would you ever believe that? You know what you're doing? You're thinking about you. You're thinking about you and you're thinking, well, I don't think I have enough faith or I haven't been living right or I haven't read my Bible enough or I just, you know, something, something I'm just not getting about faith. It's not that complicated. Just, that's what I'm trying to tell my friend, Gary. It's not that complicated. Just choose to believe. Just make a decision. I believe what God said is true. Just believe the Bible. Well, when you have a a need and you need God to, to move in your life, it's just simple. Just take him at his word. Just say, I choose to believe. Listen, forget about whether you have weak weak faith, strong faith, great faith, little faith. Forget all about that and just choose to believe. Just choose to believe. Just choose to believe God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, what if nothing happens? That's really not the issue. If you will believe God and not be moved by what happens, something will happen. I was reading today, Kenneth Hagin told a story about a man. He was preaching one time in, in, in this church and they brought a man in. He was 48 years old. He had never walked a step in his life, 48 years old. He came up in the prayer line. Brother Hagin laid hands on him and then he went on, nothing happened. He went on down, you know, started laying hands on, on, on other people. And while he was laying on other peop- hands on other people, some men of the church got this man up that he had prayed for. I guess he was in a wheelchair or on a bed or something. They got him up and held him up and let him go. And he just fell in the floor. I mean, he just, he just collapsed in a pile. They gathered him up and took him home. That was on a Monday night. Brother Hagin said, I laid hands on him. I knew the power of God went into him. So I don't care. He can fall in the floor. And they can pick him up and let him go three or four times. Wouldn't make any difference. They took him home. They brought him back Tuesday night. Same thing. Prayed for him. They brought him in. They brought him out. Took him out. No change. On Wednesday night, Brother Hagin said, I saw him. He, remember our old church, those big steps? said, I saw that same man on Wednesday night run up those steps. Had steps like our old church. 
He ran up the church, up the steps, came into the service. The pastor asked him to testify. He said, get up here on the altar because I want everybody to be able to see you. So he got to had a big wide altar bench. He got up on the altar bench and walked back and forth in front of everybody. He walked as good as any man has ever walked. He was 48 years old, had never walked before. He walked back and forth, and, uh, and then he got down, and he, and, he, and, he, and he went up and down the aisles and, and just walked in front of everybody. And they said, well, what happened to you? He said, well, when Brother Hagin laid hands on me the other night, he said, I said to myself, God's healing power went into me, and it's working in my body. Even when I fell in the, he, he probably didn't appreciate the guys getting him up, but they... They held him up, you know, and he fell in the floor. And the whole time he's saying, the healing power of God went into my body and it's working in me. He kept saying, he went to bed, to bed Monday night, no change. He said to himself, the healing power of God went into me tonight when hands were laid on me and, and it's working in me now. He got up Tuesday morning, no change. He said that all during the day. Came to church Tuesday night. They brought him to church. He was prayed for again. Nothing happened. Uh, uh, they took him out. And he went to bed Tuesday night. The healing power of God went into me when hands were laid on, uh, upon me and it's working in my body. Wednesday morning he got up. Same thing. During the day, the healing power of God was activated in his body and he started walking. And that night he ran up the steps to the church. He wasn't moved by what he saw. How did he do that? You know, uh, the, the, uh, the centurion didn't have time to take a faith course. The, the woman from Cana, she never read any Brother Hagin's books. She didn't know the laws of faith, how faith works. She didn't know anything about confession She'd never been taught anything. She just heard a report and believed it. And her daughter was delivered because she heard a report and believed it. That is faith. That's just simple, childlike faith. You can do it anytime you want to. It's a choice. Yeah. Hallelujah. Did, I, did, I, did you find Colossians? Oh, yeah, we read a little bit from it. Let's, let's continue. That wasn't the verses I wanted to read, though. Let's read the next verse, verse number 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness, the authority of darkness, and has conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us. Did you know you're qualified? You do not qualify yourself. You do not qualify yourself. Who qualified you? God did. Giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Well, healing's part of our inheritance. Financial needs met and prosperity and blessing is part of our inheritance. Freedom from depression is part of our inheritance. Amen. Getting a job is part of our inheritance. 
Any other natural need that you have in life that's in line with the word is part of our inheritance and God qualified you. Now, you see, if you're going to approach the Lord on the basis of your own qualifications, you better not. I, I wouldn't try that if I were you. I, I wouldn't try to come to the Lord for your healing or for your miracle and, and start spouting off what you've done. Lord, I just want you to know tonight I'm here to receive my miracle and I've done this and I've done that and I've, 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 I've been good. And listen, don't try that. You, that's not a good idea. You will get nothing that way because we don't qualify ourselves. He qualified us. Amen. How did he qualify us? How did he qualify us? He, we were qualified when we made the choice to believe on his son. It says here that we were delivered from the authority of darkness and translated into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption. Oh, glory to God. You have a need tonight, you're qualified to receive. Listen, don't be thinking about yourself. Don't get your idea over, don't get your thoughts over. Now, if you're one of those persons that's, if, 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 you're, if, you, if, if you're knocking off stores, okay, if you're knocking off dollar stores, you need to leave here and get that right. <laughs> or get it right tonight. But I'm saying, I'm just saying, you need to get that right first. But I, that, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly confident that that's not most of us tonight. If you have a need tonight, you're qualified because you're in Christ. When you became part of Christ, you, you took on his qualifications. You're qualified. So, it, so stop thinking about yourself, whether, you're, whether you can do it or not do it, whether you have enough faith, not have faith. Just choose to believe that is faith. Just, just shake it all down and even it out and just say, I'm just going to believe God's promise tonight. I choose to believe it and act on it. Simplest thing in the world. That is faith. That's how the answer comes. That's how the people in, that's how the, the, the woman who wasn't even a, a, a qualified person, that's how she got it. For her daughter, she just heard the report and believed it. Amen. Well, let's stand. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.